Welcome to Mind Love, episode 328. Today's episode is all about dreaming in different dimensions, harnessing astral travel for personal growth. Let's say you sleep for seven to eight hours. You can have three hours of REMs if you add up the four to five REM cycles throughout the night. This is dream laboratory research. Throughout the sleep cycle of the entire seven to eight hours, you're going to have 30 to 50 little scenes. We call them dreamlets. So when somebody tells me, hey, doc, I want to interpret my dream, I say, you can't interpret it. It's a waste of time. Because if you remember a dreamlet, so what? It's out of context. There are 30 to 50 of them. It's like uh, watching one minute of 30 to 50 different sitcoms and trying to make sense out of it. You can't do that. So you really, should, you should not worry about interpreting it. What you should be concerned about is connecting with your higher self and using your higher self for energy healing so that you can uh, focus on these techniques on your earth plane life. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If this is your first time giving your mind a little love, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Mind love is a habit, and the more you give your mind that love and intention, the better you'll feel about yourself and your life. Plus, it's really a win-win because more subscribers means mind love attracts even more amazing guests to bring you their wisdom. So don't forget to subscribe. Have you ever experienced some sort of synchronicity in your dream that seems just a little too meaningful to be just a coincidence? Also, isn't it interesting how sometimes when we're trying to understand the mysteries of life, we overlook the most intimate and personal experiences, which might be our dreams. Dreams have always been a source of fascination, almost like a gateway to the unknown. But what if they're more than just random firings of a sleeping brain? What if they're a bridge to higher consciousness or a peek into alternate realms? Imagine if every night when you close your eyes, you're not just resting, but you're actually exploring unseen worlds or even a portal to connect with your higher self, offering guidance from spiritual beings or insights into your deepest, truest version of you. Interesting, right? I've always had really vivid dreams. And at the very least, I can tell that sometimes they're connected to unhealed trauma. I have a friendship that fell off over 20 years ago, and for some reason, it just sticks with me. I dream about that friend like once a month. Maybe because I don't really know what happened, why we aren't friends, and it was this really long childhood friendship. But on the other hand, through these dreams, I've experienced a healing with that same friendship. I've gotten to say the things I want to say. I've woken up with new understandings and emotions around the whole situation. But I think with a better understanding, we can go even deeper with this concept. There's an intriguing connection between dreams and out-of-body experiences, or near-death experiences, and even the exploration of different dimensions. And the further I research, the more my understanding of reality challenged. Or I should say, expanded because it hints at the possibility that our consciousness can travel beyond the physical realm. 
So how does all of this tie into our daily lives? Well, understanding the science of dreams and higher dimensions can help us find new ways to heal or to grow and to understand the mysteries of our own existence. So are you ready to dive into the world of dreams and explore the power of the fifth dimension? Today, we're talking about how these nightly journeys can enhance your life or offer healing and maybe even connect you to a higher realm of consciousness. Our guest is Dr. Bruce Goldberg. He's a clinical hypnotherapist who wrote the international bestseller, Past Lives, Future Lives, as well as Dream Your Problems Away. He's appeared on a variety of major TV shows, including Oprah, Regis and Kelly, CBS News and CNN. So three key things we will learn are how to leave through higher chakras and explore the upper astral plane the secrets of dream programming, and learn how to shape your dreams to solve problems and ignite your creativity. And the mind-bending concept of the fifth dimension and out-of-body experiences, and how these can unlock greater empowerment, creativity, and a profound understanding of life. And now let's welcome Bruce Goldberg to the show. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Melissa. I'm looking forward to discussing one of my favorite topics. Well, I stumbled upon a video of you on YouTube on accident. I think I watched something else and then your video came up next. And I was just so intrigued that I ended up on your website, diving through your stuff, and I asked you to be on the show. So I'm curious, though, what sparked your interest in exploring the deeper aspects of dreaming beyond just our traditional understanding? Well, first, there are no coincidences. This is uh, what we call synchronicities in this field. The reason uh, I got interested in dream therapy is really the reason why I developed my practice of hypnotherapy here. I'm based in Los Angeles, but I do Zoom sessions all over the world with my patients is because um, I'm using the concept of the fifth dimension, which is what dreams are. And I find that that is the theme or the basis of which I can train my patients to connect with their higher self, which is the perfect part of their soul, which controls their ability to heal and to uh, be all they can be. I call this psychic empowerment. So dreams are the key to that because now we're dealing with my background in neurology here. I have a medical degree and I have a master's in counseling psychology. The um, dream levels are part of our sleep cycle. It's called the REM cycle. And we spend about three hours a night in this REM cycle. Now, nobody ever remembers dreams. I have, I've been in this field for 50 years and I don't remember three hours of dreams every night. But the dreams are out-of-body experiences where the soul leaves the body, enters into a spiritual body, let's say the astral body to go to the astral plane. And uh, then you can now, if you are trained correctly, connect with your higher self and sometimes spirit guides are involved to assist you in raising the frequency vibrational rate, the quality of your soul's energy to a higher level. And if you do so, you can overcome any problem and you can do things like see into your past lives, your future lives. You can contact time travels from our future, which is part of my work, extraterrestrials, the good ones, not the reptilians, okay? Uh, You can contact the part of loved ones. You can do what I call astral negotiation. You can work out problems with people you know on the earth plane. Uh, You can do 
literally anything that's humanly possible. And of course, the ultimate purpose is to train you for ascension, which is to get out of the karmic cycle so that you can rejoin the God energy complex, as we call it. Well, that has become my number one goal in this lifetime. So I'm excited to dive into this. But can you really describe the dream world? Because most people just think of it as like this place they go and all their thoughts merge and nothing makes sense when they wake up. <laughs> okay. Well, the dream level is actually, we know this from uh, research from since the 1950s. We know that the four brain waves, we have the alpha, beta, delta, and uh, 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 and, and theta waves, the theta, delta, alpha, and beta, the alpha level is the dream level, which is the REM cycle. So what dream level is, you're different with, you're in the fifth dimension now. So you're in a different uh, dimension, as we call that. So basically, what it is consists of is, we call this like the astral plane. People would be familiar with that concept. Uh, there are many other dimensions, but this is the dimension where you are... Um, you actually create most of your dreams. The astral plane, as an example, has certain fixed components, and we may access what I call a party line with other individual dreams. So other people who are dreaming, you can bring them into your dream, or you can be brought into theirs. But basically, all communication is telepathic. You're in a spiritual body, which is translucent, so you can see through it. You can't lie in the fifth dimension because everybody can read your mind. The dream world consists of basic frameworks of permanent structures, but you still can control a lot of the environment yourself. You just can't blow it up or just end it, whatever. Some people try to do that. You can't. Uh, and uh, an emotion-like substance is present on this realm that responds to every thought, desire, and emotion that we have on the physical plane. So all of our negative thoughts and emotions create evil and bizarre creatures that you may see on the lower astral plane where you don't want to go. But I always train my patients to go to the upper astral plane. The fixed areas of the dream world exist without our efforts. They're always there. They cannot be altered by our consciousness. So there are certain what you might call physical laws there that are different than ours. You can teleport, you can fly, you can uh, do anything you want that you would like to do or that you see in a sci-fi movie. You can do it on the fifth dimension. You can't do that here so easily. Most of them you can't do here. So reality there is controlled by a completely uh, different set of laws and all time is simultaneous. So, so therefore you can proceed past present future events, even parallel universes can be explored. So let me differentiate between the lower and the upper astral plane, because most of your listeners, when they go out of the body, remember, you go out of the body every night. You don't have to be trained for that. The question is, where do you go? If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to lead through the third chakra, which is the solar plexus, the belly button area, and you're going to go to the lower astral plane where you don't want to go. You want to leave through the higher chakras, mostly the crown chakra, but anyone from the heart, throat, third eye, or crown, those are higher chakras, that will take you to the upper astral plane. So let me compare the two to show you what I'm talking about. So the lower astral plane, you feel feelings of confusion and bewilderment, whereas the upper astral plane, you feel alert, secure, peaceful, and happy. In the lower astral plane, it's a misty or foggy environment. It looks like you're looking through cheesecloth when you look at it, whereas the upper astral plane is Earth-like with a beautiful environment with inhabitants that are human-like. You get bizarre and evil, nasty creatures, all the things you see from sci-fi movies, 
vampires, uh, werewolves, uh, you know, uh, reptilians, etc. They're on the lower astral, whereas the upper astral, as I mentioned, has human inhabitants. There's no possibility of spiritual growth on the lower astral plane, and all psychic attack attacks by negative energy originate there, whereas the upper astral plane has unlimited spiritual growth, and you can eliminate psychic attacks by sealing the auric field. So that's the difference between the upper and lower astral plane, and that's where you, uh, that's my description of what the dream world consists of. So remember, it's a real environment. It's just as real as this dimension. The only difference is the characteristics I described and that the physical laws there we call them physical laws, let's just say laws, are different than we have on the earth plane. So right now it seems like we're talking about one lower, one upper, but I know that you've mentioned that there are more than just those two dimensions and most of them are positive dimensions. Right, well, they're all positive except for the lower astral plane and this dimension. Now, the reason why I emphasize the astral plane, which is the closest one to us, is because that's where most people go. People spend maybe 90% of the time there. Now, beyond the astral plane, there is the causal plane, which is the seat of the Akashic records, the records of all our past, present, future, and parallel lives, like a fifth dimensional computer chip record, I call that. Beyond the causal plane, there is the mental plane. That's where the masters hang out, the Buddhas, the Jesus, the Moses, etc. cetera. Uh, then beyond that is the etheric plane, and those five planes together make up the karmic cycle. So you can have lives on all these dimensions. They're all positive except for the lower astral and this one. The etheric plane is significant and cool because you can actually do what I call etheric plane surgery, where you can, you can heal the etheric body. So let me explain what I mean by that. When you go to the astral plane, your soul will occupy the astral body and leave a clone of itself when you're dreaming to, to protect the physical body so you're not going to be possessed. You don't have to worry about that at night. If you go to the causal plane, you enter your causal body, mental plane, mental body, and etheric plane, etheric body. Now, the each of these bodies, these spiritual bodies, are not identical to the physical body. For example, the astral body is taller, thinner, and younger looking than the physical body. So my experience is women like to go there a lot, okay? <laughs> All right. Whereas the etheric body is the only spiritual body that is absolutely molecule to molecule identical to the physical body. Now, why is that important? Because if anything ever happened to the etheric body, you would die instantly, but it's never happened in history, so you don't have to worry about it. But if you go to the etheric plane, there are what I call etheric plane surgeons that are permanent residents of that dimension. And if you have an incurable disease like cancer, lupus, AIDS, et cetera, or some other autoimmune disease, you can request, and again, they don't have to do it, but you can request the etheric plane surgeons to operate on the etheric body. And then, because of my etheric plane surgical technique, when the person awakes the following morning, in certain cases, not a high percentage, but when it works, it's brilliant, you can transfer the healing from the etheric body to the physical body because they're identical. And that's how I've trained patients to actually overcome or cure incurable diseases. I don't do it. The etheric plane surgeons do it. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. 
Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. Wow. It's interesting because, uh, on one hand, if I was hearing this for the first time, I'd have a whole lot of skepticism. But there have been books that I've read, like um, Anita Morjani's book, uh, Dying to Be Me. And it was her story of developing cancer. And she was basically on her deathbed, completely withered away. And she had a near-death experience. I think her body actually died. And she experienced a whole reality on the astral plane, seeing what the human body was for what it was through a spiritual lens, and was just able to, when she came out of this like coma state, her body just rapidly started healing because of this new perspective. And I know that you say there's scientific evidence that supports claims about the dream state and its connection to the higher dimensions. Let's well, there's no, share there's that. There's no argument about the physiology, the neural physiology. The REM cycle, the four brain waves have been discovered since Chicago State University in 1953. So nobody's going to argue the, the, the neural physiology. What my medical colleagues will have a problem with in their skepticism. And by the way, I was skeptical about this too until I was I saw the results of the patients overcoming incurable diseases that they were told they're going to die in six months. And all of a sudden, 30 years later, they're still alive and kicking. So to me, that's pretty impressive. Okay, mm -hmm. Again, I'm not taking credit for it. But I see that what happens with etheric plane surgery and what I call the superconscious mind tap to train patients to access their higher self, which we technically call the superconscious mind. But basically, when she was reporting with a near-death experience, usually near-death experiences result in going to the lower astral plane a lot. But again, uh, she had an experience of a different dimension. And she was recording the actual examples of uh, an out-of-body experience. A near-death experience is one type of an out-of-body experience. 
uh, it's not the one you want to do. You want to do a regular conscious out-of-body experience, as I what I train my patients to do. But uh, basically, we have scientific measurements when people are out of the body, the skin texture, the galvanic skin response. We have medical stats to show that something is different when people do. But let me give you the example of the real crux here. So let me give you what convinced me that this is real. Now, we have green laboratories around the world. Uh, I live in Los Angeles. UCLA has a very famous one. Um, there's a Mammamides Dream Laboratory in Brooklyn, where Krippner and Older did their work back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Very famous. But this is what happens in a dream laboratory. You, you take a subject. You put them in there at 11 o'clock at night. They go in there. They're sleeping on like a cot or some bed, whatever. And they're monitored by audio and video cameras and microphones. So, you know, and nobody fudges anything, right? And uh, they wake them up at seven in the morning. Now, during the dream time, during the sleep cycle, every time they enter into an alpha brainwave, they hook them up with electroencephalograph so they know when the brain is registering the alpha wave, which is the REM cycle, they wake them up and they say, what did you dream? What's going on? That's how we find out about what people dream about, dreamlets, et cetera. But let me give you a different experiment that was held. So in this laboratory, there was a drop ceiling. It's like a you know, a ceiling that's beneath the regular ceiling, like a shelf, think of it that way. And on that shelf, they placed various objects, like a teddy bear or a computer uh, and a big, um, uh, you might say a big board or, or a, um, a cardboard reference with a bunch of big numbers on there. Now you understand in the ash, when you're out of the body, you can't see fine print. So it has to be very large. So they did that. So they placed it on the shelf. The shelf was, was actually lined with lead so even Superman couldn't see through it, okay? So it's, it's about 20 feet above the patient or the subject lying in the cot or the bed in the sleep laboratory. So they can see the shelf on the outside, but they can't see what's in it. So now they're all monitored by, by cameras and microphones, et cetera. The following morning, they wake them up and they say, okay, what was on the shelf? Now, the only way they could see the objects on the shelf, including those numbers that I talked about, was to leave their body, float up there, like Casper the Friendly Ghost here, and take a peek. And some of the subjects reported exactly, precisely what the objects were. There's no other explanation for that. There's no physical or any earth plane explanation to describe how they would know that. And there was no cheating involved. You've got these recorded on camera. Uh, nobody was up there and nobody gave them information beforehand. So that's, that to me is what we call uh, circumstantial or uh, evidence, you might say, of them actually leaving the body. But here's a better example. Uh, there is a, uh, uh, a cardiologist in Atlanta, name is Michael Sabon, and he reported this experience of a near-death experience, not from him, from his patient. He's a heart surgeon. So, you know, heart surgeons, uh, they, deal, they see a lot of people who are having heart attacks, they're about to die. In this case, he was in the OR. The woman had a heart attack and died or flatlined for about three minutes, which is not uncommon. You know, that's a near-death experience. So the woman that he was working on was about 70 years old. She was an elderly woman. She was born blind. Keep that in mind now. Very critical. Mm -hmm. Now, it, I've been in ORs because I have a residency, so I used to assist in operations like this. The, the, the uh, in instruments are lined up and color-coded with like little um, uh, tapes so that people get the right instrument in the right order because your time is very relevant when you're working on somebody who is clinically dead. So what happened is after the session was over, after he revived her, the woman, they asked her, he says, how do you feel? And she said, fine. 
But what was all those instruments? She described each of the instruments being used on her. Remember, she was born blind. She also described the readings on the the uh, the blood pressure, etc. That that was behind her with the uh, with the uh, with the anesthesiologist. She couldn't even see that even if she did have vision because it's behind her. So she describes intimately the entire procedure being born blind. How does she get that information? The only way is her astral body, which of course is not blind, could see everything that was going on and see it from the perspective of the ceiling of the OR. So that's how she could see all the instruments laid out easily, uh, as well as the readings on the uh, various monitors that were behind her. So that to me is very impressive evidence um, of what we call circumstantial evidence to show that near-death experiences are real. Wow. And so you talk about how most people or many people are just going to bed, not really thinking much about their dreams, ending up on one of the lower astral planes. And you teach people how to ascend to the higher ones. And there we can do everything from improve our heal or facilitate healing, spiritual growth, improve psychic abilities. And so what does it take to prime our energy to end up in one of the more positive dimensions? Okay, so basically, that's a good question. We're dealing with connecting them to the higher self, the superconscious mind, which is the perfect part of your soul. So let me show you how I train people, uh, my patients, with going through the using the dream levels to access their higher self. Because regardless of what I'm doing, all my therapy, 99% of my therapy occurs during the dream cycle at night the REM cycle, not during the time they're with me. What I'm doing is about 1%. So I always tell that to patients and they don't agree with me. They always say, no, no, you cured me. I said, no, I didn't. Your higher self did. But they're doing it 99% of the time in the dream levels. So in order to use the dream levels correctly, here are some instructions. Number one, you want to refrain from using any kind of drugs before you go to sleep. Alcohol, caffeine, aspirin, barbiturates, tranquilizers, etc. Do not use them. If you do, you're going to go to the lower astral plane. You want to, um, when you have a dream, when you are dealing with it, you want to be able to control the dream. Remember, nothing negative can happen to you, even if you were on the lower astral plane. Absolutely nothing negative can happen. So let's say you're on the lower astral plane. You know, you're going to do that if you don't know what you're doing. So what you want to remain completely passive. Any threatening person or creature will always become passive if you maintain passivity yourself. Initiate some aggressive behavior such as punching the creature, regardless of the size. The creature will not counter with aggression, but usually will just go away. And then you can say, go away, be gone, whatever you want to use. They're very, they're very wimpy, actually. You'd be surprised. But you want to be able to remind yourself that nothing can harm you. And you want to also request your higher self to help you manipulate the variables of the dream because you can control many of the circumstances. Now, when you are controlling your dream, you want to take charge of your life. For example, you want to attach importance to your dreams. The meaning of dreams is what we give to them. There's no standard meaning. Uh, you want to concentrate on what you would like to dream prior to retiring. You want to draw upon your life's knowledge and experiences and setting this, the stage for a dream that you desire to have. You can use that for creative dreaming, problem solving, working out differences with people, etc. You want to establish a peaceful reference point for your dreams. I call this a sanctuary. 
which is like a conference room on the upper astral plane where you can bring in your higher self, spirit guides, positive ETs, time travel, smart future, etc. And this is a place where you can hang out and also uh, improve your psychic development and protect yourself cyclically from negative energy. You want to program yourself before going to bed to remember while you're dreaming. This is part of lucid dreaming. You remember that you're dreaming and that you can manipulate the variables. You want to establish friendly relationships with your dream figures. If necessary, ask your higher self to assist you. And you want to transform your any antagonist that you meet in the lower astral plane, especially into allies. And in other words, if you run into a negative uh, entity, what you want to do is defeat them. I mentioned you can punch them. You can just yell and scream at them, whatever you want to do. But you always want to get a gift from them. It's very interesting. It's, it's a very interesting procedure. You want to uh, have them give you a gift to show you that they've lost their battle with you and that now they are subservient to you, not the other way around. Okay, so this is a very interesting concept. Uh, it's actually used in, in, there are actual disciplines in therapy uh, to actually utilize this concept so that people no longer have nightmares, uh, which is uh, again, part of insomnia, et cetera. So uh, you basically want to um, uh, be able to do this to create this. Now in your room, if you're doing this during the day, if you want to practice out of body experiences and connecting with your higher self, you want to uh, be able to establish an environment like a, a den or a bedroom where you can um, uh, uh, connect with your higher self. Again, I call that the sanctuary. You want to do this if you're doing this during the day by using self-hypnosis or meditation. You want to do this with a room with a little bit warmer than room temperature. You want to wear very loose clothing or nothing at all if you want. That's up to you. It should be a solitary event anyway. You want to uh, not have any distractions, no sounds, or um, if somebody's cooking, you don't want to be able to smell food. You want to be able to have complete immersion of, of focus, of concentration. And uh, again, you want to give instructions to your higher self to be able to make this a, a positive part of your own awareness and reality. Now, by doing this, you're going to now incorporate a regular training of going to sleep at night. Sometimes you will go to a lower astral plane. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Uh, you want to go to the upper astral plane, and with experience, you'll be able to do that. So that's what this is about. This is about repetition. It's about confidence. I call this psychic empowerment, and you're able to uh, be able to uh, utilize this for your own benefit. So would you would you like to hear some examples of some case histories of some people who've used the technique? I definitely would. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a very significant one first. This is where a woman literally saved her own life. So I'm gonna call her, uh, not her real name, I'll call her Tammy. She was a college student who came to me from New York City. She flew out to Los Angeles. This is before I was doing Zoom sessions. The year is 1996, a very important date. It's in June. She just graduated from college. She's going to go to um, uh, Europe the last half of the summer and go on to graduate school, which is, you know, not an uncommon thing. So she wants to learn how to do out-of-body experiences. She had also seen my TV movie, The Search for Grace, that CBS did about a documented case of reincarnation. So she, by the way, that movie is uploaded on YouTube. So if you want to see a beautiful film about a documented case of reincarnation, it's called The Search for Grace. You can see it online. Anyway, so she came to me and she's working with me in between. Um, she's here for a week in Los Angeles. 
And in between, I'm training her to go out of the body and do the dream levels. And in between the days that she's here, Monday through Friday, she reports certain dreams of things that are actually going to come true the following day. In other words, 24, day, 24 hours in advance. So these things actually occur. So she's got a good track record of having, you might say, psychic intonations or remember when you're, when you're in the fifth dimension, all time is simultaneous. All right, so now we're all done with therapy. I said, Tammy, you're all done. Have a nice life. I wish you the best. You're, you're, you've been a great patient, et cetera. So now she calls me after she returns to New York City. She's going to go to Paris the last half of the summer and she's going to leave in July. So she calls me at the end of June and says, doctor, this is Tammy. I have an emergency. And I said, uh, Tammy, look, I retired from dentistry a long time ago to get away from that. So what's going on? And she said, I use, I use your techniques. And I had this dream in which I take off from my plane from JFK. The plane goes up, immediately crashes into the Long Island Sound, and everybody dies, including me. And I said, well, Tammy, you have a pretty good track record. So I have a suggestion for you. Very simply, I'm not trying to run your life. Change your flight plans. Okay. So she did. Then she calls me at the end of the summer and she goes, I just want you to know, I'm speaking as her now, I was going to go on TWA flight 800, July 17th, 1996. It it took off from JFK airport, went up in the air, immediately crashed 230 people, all passenger crew and passengers died. She would have been 231. So she actually saved her life by using the remnant of a dream. So that's one example. Another one is dealing with a very interesting case of um, bereavement. Now, I am a very proud dog owner. I own a 14-pound black female miniature schnauzer named Karma, who's my, my child. But there's a woman I worked with years ago. She had a pet dog, too. The name was Bonzo. It was a male St. Bernard. And it was a beautiful dog. She had this dog for many years. Unfortunately, the dog eventually had medical problems and had to be put down. The, the woman's, I call her Fran, not her real name. So she's very depressed. She's going through bereavement. One of her friends tells me about, uh, tells her about my work. So she contacts me. She says, doctor, what can you do? I mean, I don't know what to do. I, I just, I miss my dog. So I said, how would you like to meet with your dog again? And she goes, what do you mean? And I said, we're going to use the fifth dimensional technique. So in my office, we're doing a super conscious mind tap. She's now in the upper astral plane, Bonzo is there, and as I'm working with her, there are tears of coming down her face, not tears of depression, but tears of joy. So she's really, really well motivated. Okay, so now this is what happens. She tells me that uh, she had a dream in which Bonzo was reincarnated as a German shepherd puppy for some reason, and, and she kept it as a pet. Now, Fran was not into German shepherds. She liked St. Bernard's. So I said, look, uh, uh, Fran... Uh, let's see what happens, but that does sound like an odd dream, but give it time. So now it's around Christmas time. She goes shopping at the local mall and she uh, leaves her car. And while she's in the mall, she's afraid that she didn't lock her car and she wanted to run back to her car to make sure it was locked because she didn't want to get uh, any packages uh, stolen from a car. When she goes back into the car, the car doors were locked. She unlocked it. And on the passenger seat of her car, there was a cute little, maybe three-month-old German Shepherd puppy. She don't know how it got there. Remember, the doors were locked. Her friends didn't do it. She had no idea. So she looked at the dog and didn't know what to do with it. So she took the dog home and she said, I don't know what to do with it. But the dog actually represented the characteristics of Bonzo. 
In other words, the favorite toy, some of the behavioral characteristics. So she kept the dog, named it Squire, and that was, and of course her bereavement went away immediately. And uh, that's an example of how her dream gave her the solution to her own bereavement. By the way, this is called the Dalai Lama test. I did that with my dog. My dog, Karma, is Karma the Third. She was the reincarnation of Karma the Second because she had the same favorite toys and uh, the same behavioral characteristics and even looked like her too. So um, these are things that, uh, an example of a dream that actually uh, overcame bereavement. Now, this is one that is what I call a marriage made in the dream world. There was a gentleman, I call him Brent. He was from the East Coast. He was a 42-year-old man who uh, was divorced and lived alone in his uh, with his dog, Lancelot. And he loved his dog, you know, and, and he wasn't dating him at the time. So he came out to L.A., and this was several years ago, and he wanted to uh, explore my work, and he wanted to uh, meet a soulmate would be one of his goals because he was divorced, and, you know, and he was lonely and this and that. So he's with me, and uh, while he's here in town, he has a dream in which Lance alone came home was and was in a fight with another dog. It was bitten but not really hurt. And then there was the, the woman who owned the dog was a beautiful blonde woman who, uh, you know, she apologized for this and he had a connection with her and they eventually started dating. So he said to me, he says, uh, Doc, he says, what the heck is this? I said, look, don't underestimate the power of a dream. I said, we're going to go on and complete the training. And then I did. And then he goes back to the East Coast. And I said, do me a favor. Could you update me in about three months? Let me see what's going on here. So he does. So he calls me up and he says, doctor, you're not going to believe this. He went to the park with Lancelot uh, and Lancelot was running around. It's a large dog. It's like a, a Labrador retriever. And he's running around and all of a sudden another dog comes out of the bushes and attacks him, bites him. And um, he separated the dogs, of course. And then the, the person who owned the dog came running back to get her dog. It was a beautiful 28 year old blonde woman named Olivia. And they started uh, connecting. They started dating. All right. And the following year, they got married. And so this is an example. By the way, her dog was named Barnaby, the dog that attacked Lancelot. Barnaby never attacked the dog before or after that incident, which was a completely unusual behavior. And if you know dogs, they don't do unusual things. They do the same thing all the time. So here's an example of, uh, and they got married and later on they had a couple of children. Uh, so this is a very happy ending to a story that began in the dream levels. Now, one last uh, story here, one case is um, a gentleman I worked with many years ago, I called him Skip. He was a, a General Motors worker in Baltimore. I, I lived in Baltimore in those days. And he was retired on disability. He had a lot of medical problems with uh, with his work. Some of the, you know, uh, he was injured seriously and he couldn't work. And uh, so he was very, um, uh, he wanted to establish a small business and he needed $5,000 for this business loan in order to establish it. The banks wouldn't loan him because he was living on, you know, disability insurance and they don't count that. And his wife was not exactly thrilled with him. Uh, and his two teenage kids were disrespecting him. So everything was kind of like, um, you know, kind of bad for him. So I trained him to do uh, use the dream therapy to, I said, look, you can use the dream to go into the dream levels and let's see if you can use this to help you with your business. So what happened was he got a lottery number from the Maryland State Lottery by during his dream levels. 
And he won not a million dollars, not $10 million. He won exactly $5,000 on the, now this was about 40 years ago. So remember the numbers here. He won $5,000 on the Maryland State Lottery. Remember, these are public figures here. These are state lotteries. And uh, he was able to use that money to uh, establish his business. He became successful with that business. And of course, his relationship with his wife and children improved. But here, all this began during the dream levels. So here's another example of how dreams can actually help you in life. And again, the universe doesn't owe us anything. Now, when he told me that story, the problem with that story is not the accuracy of that. I was there. The problem was he called me on my radio show at the time. I was doing this big radio show in Baltimore and WBAL. And uh, he called me and told this story on the air. And I said, Skip, look, I, I, you're a really nice guy. And I really wish you would have spoken to me off the air. He says, why? I want your, your, your fans to know about what you do. And I said, this is a Saturday evening. Do you know what my office is going to look like on Monday morning? I'm going to have every stockbroker, every racing tout, because Pimlico Racetrack is in Baltimore. I'm going to have people looking for everything in the world, gambling, sports events, you name it. And I did. I had dozens and dozens of calls of people who wanted me to uh, teach them how to uh, cheat the universe, you know? Well, the universe doesn't work that way. But in this case, in Skip's case, it did because it was just enough money to get him to be established and to develop his practice the way, uh, you know, to his business so that he could uh, 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 take care of his financial needs and regain the respect of his wife and children. So those are examples of what the dream levels can do. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 
I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But I feel no, like I'd like to help your 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 uh, audience too. If you're, um, I like to make what I call an offer for your audience. Uh, one of my books is called uh, my most recent book is called Exploring the Fifth Dimension. If your listeners uh, want to order that book directly from my homepage, and they mention this this podcast, I will send them, including with the book, a free CD titled Fifth Dimensional Travel. This will take them into the fifth dimension and allow them to do all the techniques that we discussed here. So uh, you have to mention the podcast. I don't do this to anyone who orders that book. So if if your listeners order the book, mention that this podcast, mention you, and just simply say the free offer, I'll know what that is automatically. And the book is called Exploring the Fifth Dimension. And if they go to my homepage, they can see my other books too. But that book will come with the free CD and they can go into the fifth dimension and be all they can be as the old army commercial used to say. So a lot of this involves having some sort of level of control over our dreams. And I, a few years back, started studying lucid dreaming. And it was really interesting for me for a while. But then I realized, or at the time, I didn't really see how it was going to benefit my ultimate goal in life. And so looking at it through this lens is really interesting because you can see how it can facilitate healing and spiritual growth and psychic abilities. So where do we have to start to understand how to control our dreams? Okay, so let me show you the really best example of that. Now, obviously, Stephen LeBerg up in San Francisco, uh, he, he wrote many books and scientific articles on lucid dreaming. Remember what lucid dreaming is. It's simply being aware that you're dreaming while you're dreaming and being able to manipulate the variables. Okay, so I'm going to give you one quick example of what I did. And I'll show you how you can, and then I'll show you a, a scientific study that's been going on for nearly a hundred years, but very important. So first, when I was doing these techniques way back in the seventies, I uh, went to the lower astral plane one time. And at that time I had my first dog, my first miniature snout, so that was Karma the first. Okay. So she was only a puppy at the time. So I had a dream in which I was walking in the park with Karma, right? She was a puppy, she's about four months old. And um, all of a sudden, there's a bush that's that's uh, making a lot of noise and kind of like vibrating in, in the park. And I, it gets my attention. So I look at the bush. Now, remember, this is a lower astral plane. So all of a sudden, Darth Vader comes out of this bush, <laughs> becomes about 10 feet tall, speaking with that CNN voice, you know, 
and um, looking at me and threatening me. And karma, of course, is barking at it, you know, trying to protect me. So what I did, remember, this is the astral plane. Even though it's the lower astral, you can create your environment. So I decided to do what I call a Popeye technique. I imagined a can of spinach, opened up the spinach, ate the spinach, grew to be 10 feet tall, the same height as Darth Vader, took my left hand, I'm left-handed, punched him in the face, and he ran away. Then I shrunk down to my normal sight, my normal height, you know, about, you know, five foot six here. Karma jumps on my lap and licks my face. And then the next thing you know, I woke out of that dream. And then, of course, went into the upper astral of the following thing. So you can actually manipulate the environment. But let me give you the best study that's been done about this. There is a uh, Aborigine group in Malaysia called the Senoi, S-E-N-O-I. They have been studied since the 1930s through the work of Kilton Stewart and Pat Noon very well-known researchers here. Now, they are more civilized than what we call the Negrito group, which is a very primitive Aboriginal group, but not as sophisticated as the Proto-Malay group, they call that, which is a little higher than them on an evolutionary scale or a civilizational scale. But the Sinoi, because they're in the middle group, they are the most healthy, psychologically stable people in the world. There's no crime there. There's no rape, no murder. Nobody steals anything. They are considered to be the healthiest people in the world. Now, what do they do? Why are they like that? Because the Sinoi, they have a very interesting environment. They fish, you know, in the morning, they get up like at six o'clock in the morning at daybreak, and they go to the uh, local waterways, the ponds, whatever they're there. They beat these like uh, uh, vegetables uh, or these plants against the water, which acts like an anesthetic. The fish now fall asleep, come to the surface. So now they can do their fishing and they're done by noon. Now they got the rest of the day, with nothing to do. So what do they do? They act out their dreams and they teach their children also to act out their dreams. So this is some of the principles that they use. And by the way, there are schools of therapy that use the Sinoi technique. That's how popular it is today. Uh, confront and conquer any dangerous situation. The Sinoid advise, advise the people to always attack a dream element that attacks you, never run away from it, and always confront with danger with, danger with confidence. And again, you get a gift from that, if, as you will. You always advance toward pleasure in a dream. So even children, when they have a flying dream, which is very common, by the way, uh, they're instructed to relax and fully enjoy the experience. You want to always establish a positive outcome despite the negativity or danger in a dream. So uh, if you uh, feel yourself falling, just relax. You're never going to splat. You're going to begin to fly, and then you can go back to where you were going to. Uh, children are taught to convert a fear of falling into an enjoyable activity, again, such as flying. You always extract the gift from any dream image that is a negative adversary. Uh, it should be a beautiful gift and you confront them, you communicate telepathically. All communication is telepathic in the dream levels. And uh, no dream should end until a positive action is completed. So you don't, you always want to have a completion to any dream. Whatever your goal is, just make it positive, complete it, and then you'll awaken and then you'll remember your dream with experience. As you do this, you will become more expert at it. So uh, remember the idea about the enemy that you get the gift from. They must serve the dreamer. That's you. So these are examples of how, because of these techniques, the uh, levels of confidence and self-esteem have been increased tremendously. 
they report no anxiety, self-image is positive, their relationships are very stable, they don't get divorced, they have very positive marriages, whatever, the relationships. So these are the senoi, and they are, again, the most psychologically healthy people in the world. Now, what's interesting about this is that, remember what I said earlier, this is an aborigine group. These are primitive people. They're a little bit higher than the lowest primitive group, but not as sophisticated as the ones that are above them. But they are the healthiest people in the world, not the ones that are above them. So these uh, aborigines, they practice out-of-body experiences. Uh, uh, they, um, you know, aborigine groups in Australia, they do that too. So that we get uh, research from from the down under continent also. But the senoid group is just a brilliant, brilliant technique. And I use it to train my patients to do this. And I use it myself. If I ever have a negative dream on the lower astral, you can actually train yourself as I do to go from the lower astral to the upper astral. So you don't waste the entire evening. And I do that by manipulating the environment and by entering the white light that takes me into the upper astral. So this is a, uh, uh, a lucid dream experience and uh, allows you to uh, make the most out of your dream experiences and become what I call the proverbial happy camper. Wow, it's it's like practicing while dreaming what we should be doing in our conscious state as well. We should oh, yeah, be looking of course. at- it's, The problem is it's very difficult because you can't manipulate the, variable, the variables on the earth plane as you can on the astral plane. Right? You can't just say, oh, I think I'm going to fly here. I'm going to teleport. And I'm going to have that person uh, give me a gift and serve me. You can't do that on the earth plane. Uh, but you can do it on the astral plane. So just a little background about uh, just one, make it a little bit more academic to show you that this is a real field. So our sleep cycle, as I mentioned, consists of four stages, stage one through four. This work began uh, by the... Uh, in Chicago State University in 1953 by Nathaniel Kleitman and Eugene Azerinsky. And these were uh, these stages were first proposed by physiologist Frederick Snyder in the 1960s. And uh, these are real. Now, when you go through a dream cycle, you go through throughout a night, you're going to have, let's say you sleep for seven to eight hours. You're going to have three hours of REMs if you add up the four to five REM cycles throughout the night, every hour and a half to two hours, you're gonna have a REM cycle. So that's stage four. Now, throughout, this is dream laboratory research, throughout the sleep cycle of the entire seven to eight hours, you're gonna have 30 to 50 little scenes. We call them dreamlets. So when somebody tells me, hey doc, I wanna interpret my dream, I say, you can't interpret it. It's a waste of time. Because if you remember a dreamlet, so what? It's out of context. There were 30 to 50 of them. It's like uh, watching one minute of 30 to 50 different sitcoms and trying to make sense out of it. You can't do that. So you really, should, you should not worry about interpreting it. What you should be concerned about is connecting with your higher self and using your higher self for energy healing so that you can uh, focus on these techniques on your earth plane life. That's the difference here. So you want to always, uh, don't get hung up on all these books written about dream interpretation. You know, if you dream of water, it's emotions. And yeah, that's all fine. Uh, the reason why I have a problem with dream interpretation other than what I just mentioned, and let's make it a little bit more academic too. Well, there are about 75 different dream interpretation therapies. Well, somebody's wrong. Okay, that's number one. Uh, number two is that uh, it doesn't really matter what you come up with, what is the answer key? 
So let me show you what the answer key is and isn't. We get all our dream interpretation therapies from one man who lived in the Roman Empire about 2,000 years ago. His name was Artemidorus. You can Google him. Artemidorus was summoned by the emperor, and he said, look, he said, I want you to gather up all the dream interpretation stuff from antiquity. He didn't use that term. And I want you to come up with a dream concept here and then burn all the other records. So most of the stuff, maybe the Old Testament has some remnants and stuff like that. But basically, all these old dream interpretation approaches from antiquity were gathered by Artemidorus, the censor. And he came up with his little theories, which we people use today. Well, guess I don't want to base my salvation on one dude. Okay, I don't care who he was, you know? Okay, so he was a Greek. Great, congratulations. Maybe a very smart guy. But he edited and censored all the other principles. And even if he was correct, and even if he didn't censor the material, again, from what I described about 30 to 50 dreamlets, and there is no answer key. So you don't worry about interpretation. You just be concerned about connecting with your higher self, raising the frequency of vibrational rate, having confidence, being psychically empowered, not being afraid of anything, including negative dreams. And if you do that, you're going to have one heck of a life and you're going to be able to um, uh, do this correctly. Now, one thing from an academic perspective, if some of your uh, uh, listeners do some research, there is also something called non-REM sleep which is uh, dreams. There are non-REM dreams, which are not in the REM cycle. They are less emotional, less active, less vivid, less dramatic, less detailed, less visual, shorter, more thought-like, more focused on current problems, and more realistic, so to speak, meaning that you can't use that to solve major problems. So um, you don't want to worry about the non-REM they're really not much in time. It's the REM cycle you want to focus on, because that's three hours a night. Uh, and that uh, is uh, the key to using this from a therapeutic perspective. So basically, that's what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the concept of, um, and by the way, just one comment about out-of-body experiences. This is what we get from scientific studies about OBEs in dream laboratories and other laboratories. People who have report out-of-body experiences, they're more empowered, look at the opposites of life being meaningful related, they keep intense emotions separate and sealed off from their traditional behavior. They're more creative, more sensitive to criticisms and demonstrate higher levels of intensive thoughts and feelings. They have a much lower fear of death. Their electroencephalograph or EEG exhibits greater synchronization between their left and right brain, which is what you want to do always. And uh, their first out-of-body experiences are usually exhibited during childhood and sometimes associated with severe physical illnesses, even childbirth example can, be, can doing that. And uh, during the out-of-body experience, their skin may appear very dry and warm to the touch and their brain waves tend to exhibit a very narrow frequency of a deep state of physical relaxation, going from like a alpha to a theta brainwave, we call that. Now, one statement that's critical here, there has never, and I emphasize the word never, been a physical or psychological harm or death ever associated with an out-of-body experience or with a dream, by the way, which of course is an out-of-body experience. And when people do have out-of-body experiences in the fifth dimension, which you will do every night, there's a term that I use to describe you. You are an ultra terrestrial. 
not an extraterrestrial, an ultra-terrestrial. So what is the difference between ultra-terrestrial and extraterrestrial? Well, an ultra-terrestrial is just you traveling in the fifth dimension, unless you want to consider yourself to be an extraterrestrial. An extraterrestrial <laughs> is a gray reptilian, uh, you know, Pleiadian or other entity from another planet. Uh, but by the way, our, our genes, you know, every one of us, with all due respect to my genetic colleagues, uh, we all have extraterrestrial genes. If you go back in life and if you're interested in that, my books, Time Travels from Our Future and my Egypt book, uh, will detail the history of our interactions with extraterrestrials through hundreds of thousands of years and why we all have been intermated with extraterrestrials. So our genes are not pure human. We are all mutts, so to speak. We are mixed races. We have extraterrestrial DNA with us. And there's about 300 different uh, extraterrestrials that have been in and out of this planet over the generations and millions of years. So um, again, the term ultra-terrestrial means that you're beyond the Earth plane. You're in the fifth dimension. That's what I'm referring to. One video I saw of you mentioned that warm weather favors out-of-body experiences. Can you explain why? Well, yeah, I mentioned that earlier, warm weather, and you want to have loose clothing or nothing at all. You want to, uh, no jewelry on you, no tight shoes or whatever. It's simply that warm weather just facilitates the ability to connect with the out-of-body experience and the alpha brainwave. People who meditate, same thing for meditation. Meditation and hypnosis are both the same thing. They're both alpha brainwaves. The only difference is technique. But warm weather simply facilitates it. It's just the way the body works. It's a physiological principle. If you're cold and shivering, or if you're at room temperature or a few de degrees below it, your body is not going to respond as quickly or as uh, intensely to a nice relaxing alpha level as it would if it was a little warmer. So a lot of the benefits of being able to control our dreams and access the planes that we want to is, is to facilitate things like spiritual growth and healing. But you mentioned something about how dreams can actually help us improve our creativity, which for a lot of people is so practical and something they can use today. How can dreams help us with that? Okay, so basically I was discussing earlier about how you want to immerse, say you're, you're going to create something. You want to create an invention. It could be art, music, uh, 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 sculpting, whatever, whatever, you, whatever your goal is. Creativity is, is based upon some creative effort. So you want to do some research first. You want to immerse yourself into doing some researching, whatever theoretical material you have to get that will be helpful to your research, especially if it's an invention. And then you want to simply use the dream levels before going to sleep at night. Again, if they use that uh, fifth dimensional travel CD that I'll give them for free if they order my Exploring the Fifth Dimension book, they'll be in the fifth dimension. You can request an audience with your higher self, go to your sanctuary, all right? This is a beautiful conference room in the fifth dimension. You can be with your higher self, and then you can simply lay out with your higher self the solution to your creative endeavor, whatever that is. Your higher self will assist you and even sometimes bring in spirit guides in your sanctuary to assist you. And then you can begin to lay out whatever needs to be done in reference to gathering the data so that you can have your fifth dimensional experience and correct solution to your creative endeavor. So let me give you an example of how it's worked in science and art. There are studies that are done. You know, you've heard of the aha movement 
uh, the aha movement when people come up with a brilliant idea or yes. they solve a problem, right? It's, mm -hmm. it, it, we have that in science as well as in art. So they did research on this and they found out that 80% of aha moments, brilliant discoveries in science and in art, and that includes music too, of course, are done during the dream levels. People dream about the solution and it enacts. So I'm gonna give you a scientific example uh, that is very well known to me because when I was in college, I, my undergraduate degree was in biochemistry. Biochemistry is very important today. It's the basis of medicine and pharmacology. But in the old days, in the 1800s, around the mid 1800s, they couldn't discover the solution to the structure of benzene. Benzene, which is C6H6, is the basis of organic chemistry. So everybody was working on it, you know, chemists around the world. And Germany is critical here. So there was a man, a German scientist named Kekuli in the 1850s. And he was working at his Bunsen burner late one night in the wintertime. It was up in the Bavarian mountains, you know, so it's way up there. It's probably minus 20 degrees. It's snowing, you know, and he's up in his lab. It's two o'clock in the morning and uh, he falls asleep at his bench. Now, he doesn't hurt himself. The Bunsen burner is working, you know, and he has a dream. And this was his dream. He dreamt that it was a nice spring day. He's in the park. And all of a sudden he turns around and a giant serpent is chasing him. A serpent, a big snake, right? So he's running and huffing and puffing. And all of a sudden he turns around and the serpent bites its own tail, drops dead in front of him, forming a ring, a circle, the benzene ring. He wakes up, go to his desk, his little Bunsen burner and his uh, bench there and computes the benzene ring. That's the basis of organic chemistry. And he got the equivalent of a Nobel Prize. That wasn't Nobel, this was the 1850s, but he got a major award. And this story that I'm reporting, he obviously had a lot of dinners that he went to and he reported this and this is reported in the literature. So here's how the dream levels gave us pharmacology and biochemistry and modern medicine, thanks to Kekulé's dream. Wow. Well, we have covered so much fascinating information in this episode, and I know that sometimes it can be overwhelming. So I love to leave listeners with one thing to either focus on, an action item, one thing that they can do to move a little bit closer and integrate some of the information that we've learned today. So if you were going to leave them with something to focus on for the week, what would that be? Well, one thing is keep your thoughts positive. And connect with your higher self. Again, the CD, the 50 Mental Travel, is would be a very simple way of doing it. If you meditate, go ahead, do your meditation, but and request the audience with your higher self. The key is always connect with your higher self, the perfect part of your soul. You cannot lose that game, and you will be able to accomplish any goal that's humanly possible if you connect with and work with your higher self. Well, thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you've brought on this topic and for teaching it to us. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you, I know you dropped a link before, but let's remind them of where to go to order the book from your website. Okay, so my website is uh, www.drdrbrucegoldberg.com, VR for the doctor. And uh, you can see all the books on there. The Exploring the Fifth Dimension is the book that has the free CD, if you mentioned the podcast uh, called Fifth Dimensional Travel. And on my uh, homepage also in the upper right-hand corner, I have a YouTube channel. Now you've seen a couple of clips, but I have 55 different videos 
of me being interviewed on national television, doing regressions, progressions, parallel universes, ET contacts, time traveler contactees, uh, the regression of Jerry Springer into a past life, the late Jerry Springer, may he rest in peace, um, and uh, uh, clips from the uh, Search for Grace, my TV movie is on there too. So there's a whole bunch of fun stuff on there that you can learn and uh, experience. Uh, and of course, I have exercises on there on the homepage too, about 35 articles. So there's a lot of activity that you can get uh, and most of it's free, of course, uh, that you can get on the homepage. But remember, Exploring the Fifth Dimension is the book you want to order and mention the podcast and you get the free Fifth Dimensional Travel CD. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 328. Your challenge for this week is to just get more intentional about dreaming. It's so funny, the day that I'm recording this, the concept of dreams came up in conversation with my childcare helper and my husband. <laughs> they were both talking about how their dreams are wild and sometimes a little bit scary. And when my husband takes melatonin, his dreams are even more vivid and he doesn't like it. So I was telling him about what I learned in this episode. And what I have been doing is trying to be more intentional about my dreaming by just setting an intention and giving myself some space before and after dreaming. A few years back, I started really researching lucid dreaming. And what I came away from that beyond just actually lucid dreaming a few times was that setting that intention, making it your mission to lucid dream would actually create more opportunities to lucid dream. And so we were supposed to do things during the day that would trigger those same things in our dreams that would then trigger our minds to let us know that we were dreaming so that we would go into that lucid dreaming state. So for example, just during the day, say, is this real or am I dreaming over and over again to where your dream self will start to do that. And then you get the opportunity to actually reflect on it. So I haven't really been practicing lucid dreaming in a while. However, what I have been practicing is out-of-body experiences. I read the Silva Mind Control Method, and ever since, I've been making that my meditation technique both morning and night. And in the morning, right when you wake up, you are already in the alpha state of mind, which is perfect for out-of-body experiences. So I already was a morning meditator. And now I've just been doing it in a different way. I've been actually trying to detach from my body and make my mind go places rather than just find that place of calm. This has been creating a more peaceful atmosphere within my dreams because I do it right before I go to bed as well. So I'll spend that last anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes, depending on how tired I am. Anyways, the point is, by doing this, it's like I bring that state into my dreaming state. So I strongly recommend you try it. At the very least, it's a lot of fun. But with practice, you can use this for healing and creation in your waking life. So let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. If you love this episode, consider sharing it. Dreams are really fun to talk about with friends if you haven't already. So give that a try. You can also find out more information about the Mind Love membership at mindlove.com slash membership. All of my amazing sponsors plus the discount codes are at mindlove.com slash sponsors. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. 
Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. Thank you.